Scott Burnside back for the Friday edition of Two Man Advantage, closing out the week that was in the National Hockey League. I tell you, I feel really good, and I, I feel like we've had a lot of people come on and join us on Two Man Advantage who've uh, been in the bubbles, uh, certainly a lot of uh, my friends and colleagues who've been in Edmonton, experiencing sort of quarantine life some of them and then getting into rogers arena and and watching an unprecedented final four showdown as we head toward a stanley cup but our guest mark specter see mark i feel like you are kind of like the father figure for all the other reporters who have congregated in edmonton that's your home you're a veteran reporter do you feel that kind of pressure for the other reporters to be sort of like a father figure and 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 keep things in line well, the great thing about being my age, Scott, is you can just tell them what place to go to, uh, after the game, what bar, what restaurant, but you're not expected to actually stay out as late as we used to stay. <laughs> so then I come back the next morning and find out how much fun they had, but I don't have the paralyzing hangover that they do. <laughs> See, you can't teach that, though, right? You're right. That is that veteran experience. That's the sort of, and I'm not suggesting that Patrick Hornquist ever had a paralyzing hangover, but maybe that's why Florida got Patrick Hornquist, because it's that kind of experience you can't teach, right? I mean, so oh good for God. you. And on that note, how does trading away Patrick Hornquist make you better? I don't, I don't understand that trade. Uh, Jimmy Rutherford is a wise man. But uh, and there's got to be something I certainly don't know about this transaction, but a very expensive Mike Matheson uh, coming back. Colton Sevier's a depth guy. Uh, I like Patrick Hornquist, man. I'm not sure how trading away makes you a better team. Uh, I want to circle back to that because you know I like to ma- <clears throat> to map these things out, and I wasn't quite done talking about how old you are yet. And I okay, was curious, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what was the first Stanley Cup final you covered? Because and just in case people don't know, you you've been in Edmonton a long time. It's your home, right? You've had home games more. I use my air quotes, home games since August first in your city with the uh, bubble there. But what was the first Stanley Cup final that you covered? The first Stanley Cup final that I covered would have been um, about, let's see, 1980s. I would say 19, well, let's see. Probably they played, the Oilers played in 1984. They beat the Islanders for their first cup ever. And then in 1985, they beat Boston. Uh, No, I didn't go to that. I didn't go to that one. But in 1987, they played the, uh, I had just started at the Edmonton Journal as a, summer intern actually in may and of course the stanley cup final back then was concluded if i'm not mistaken by the end of may so i was running quotes which we used to do in those days uh here's my story that i quite enjoyed because they had one of those halo press boxes in edmonton in the old arena here which was a sort of a hanging from the ceiling and it was just around like a running track over the rink So you could circle, and what we would do between periods to kill time is you'd walk a lap and meet all the people therein. You'd see the radio guys on one side, you might run into a GM on the other side, see all the reporters. So they didn't have a seat for me because I was sort of a new-on-the-scene guy, so they they gave me a spot right above where Ron Hextall played for two periods. And I would stand, Didn't I, I? maybe there was a stool, but anyway, here you are in the rink. It's 1987, the maybe the best Oilers team ever to play the game, possibly, you know, in the conversation of the most exciting offensive juggernaut ever to play the game. 
is playing Philly. Philly's taking him to seven, and I'm standing above Ron Hextall for two of the three periods. And he's doing that thing. Do you remember where he used to sort of play the goalposts with his goal stick? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Anyone out there who, who doesn't remember that, you should try to YouTube it. He had this thing where he would stand in the front of his goal and he would play with both ends of his goal stick, the knob end and the, the blade end. Yep. And he could basically do like a drum roll <laughs> on his posts. And I stood above him. And of all the things I remember about that series, and there are many, because it was a hell of a series, I'll never forget Ron Hextall playing a drum roll with his goal stick in one hand. I always thought, man, how many, how long do you have to practice to be able to do that? He sounded like Neil Peart for Pete's sakes. <laughs> See, that's glorious. I love that kind of that kind of memory, right? I mean, that sticks out for you, you know, a moment. And you've covered like, how many Stanley Cup finals have you covered since? Oh, since I don't then, count, but yeah. many, like many, you know, I don't know, fifteen or eighteen or something like that. Yeah. I'm not even sure. Lots. Yeah. I could count, but I'm, that sounds uh, like a very mundane task, Scott. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, because as you know, from having spent time with me, almost all my conversations ultimately come back to me. So my first ever Stanley Cup final <laughs> was 1997. I'd been a news guy for a long time, as you know. And then uh, I uh, I was the sports columnist in Windsor, Ontario, the Windsor Star. And so the Wings had gone to their what would be the first of back-to-back cup wins and they played in philadelphia in 97 mm-hmm. and i i i didn't know anyone i didn't know anything you know it was i, I was just i was flying by the seat of my pants i and uh, so we were in philadelphia and i stayed at that holiday inn out near um whatever it was called then back in the day it's now uh, wells fargo center and uh, the spectrum was still there because i think they actually practiced there before they tore it down but the but the point of my story is that a pal of mine that i had played softball with in toronto calls me up and he says hey are you covering the final i'm i'm going to be in philadelphia for uh business i'm on a trip there and I, he says let's get together for a beer and i said well you should go to this come to this bar and i think it was called jaws and it was in the holiday inn where i was staying and it was owned and operated by are you with me here ron jaworski right oh, ron long- jaworski yes, yeah and of so course. the bar was called jaws so i show up at this bar and there's my pal there and he's He's looking a bit flummoxed. And I said, what's going on? He said, well, he, he says, you see that guy over there? And there was Ron Jaworski holding court. And I said, yeah, it's Ron Jaworski. He owns the bar, quarterback. He said, yeah. He says, I had just had a long conversation with him. I, I thought he was Bernie Perrant. And he was quizzing him. <laughs> on, he, he was quizzing him on where he played his junior, uh, all his style. And finally, apparently, Jaworski says, who do you think I am? He said, well, Dan, you're Bernie Perrant. <laughs> So, so that's one of my that's one of my highlights of, of my first Stanley Cup finals. So. That sounds like one of your friends. Yeah, Fairly yeah, clueless no. and generally half cut. <laughs> All right, game four, Stanley Cup final, twenty twenty. So I'm curious what it's been like for you to have the bubble in your city, and, and whether you know whether it's different than you thought it was going to be i mean certainly we thought the oilers might play a little bit longer than they did but what's it been like for you to have this going on and you just moved downtown as i know so it's sort of in you know it's in your neighborhood kind of what's it been like to have the bubble in your town to to host the bubble as it were yeah the the, the sort of the strange thing is one of the fun parts of hosting anything in the, you know an all-star game uh, uh you know a 
a, a draft. A draft. Thank you. A draft. A Stanley Cup final is all your friends come in, and it's your town. So you do. You feel a bit of a responsibility to make sure that everyone has a good time, that they get led towards the right places, that you know everyone will leave and say, "Man, Edmonton was a." Especially when you're Edmonton, because we have a bit of a small man syndrome here. <laughs> uh, you like people to to see a part of your city that maybe they wouldn't normally see when they make that come in for one game in January and it's dark and cold. Um, but unfortunately that hasn't really, you know, the media coming in has been very, very scant, uh, because people just aren't traveling. Right. Uh, even in this, I would say to you, Scotty, that between periods of a game here in the cup final, when, when every reporter in the building goes up to the coffee pot to sort of stand around and kibitz the way we do, there's probably 11 or 12 people tops. Wow. So there's just not many people that have come here. So that's sort of, it's kind of like a Stanley Cup extra light. Uh, you know, it's really sort of like a second round game or a first round game in terms of media attendance. Um, but we have had, you know, in terms of people getting out and having fun in the city, our weather here has been beautiful. I think people realize that, you know, at the, when you come to Edmonton this time of year, we have a beautiful river valley. Guys are running and biking and enjoying themselves. There's lots of places to go and eat. A lot of great patios. Our weather's been excellent. So it, it, that window has been opened to those who have shown up here. Uh, you know, the games, the, the in-arena experience, like, how would I say, this, this COVID cup isn't about people enjoying themselves, okay? It's business. Yeah. So, okay, there's nobody in the rink. We get that. But one of the things that people may not know is they want the ice to be good, and they've turned the, the hair conditioning on so high in these arenas that we literally wear downfill jackets in the arena. This isn't me. I'm not complaining. I get it. We're covering hockey. But just so the fans know, uh, it's like four hours in a meat freezer in this place. So you frankly can't wait to get out and go to a pub or something where they have an actual furnace. So it's... You know, the, the Zoom calls are, uh, you're not going to the rink for morning skates the way we always do. And, you know, that's sort of part of the fun of hockey. We gather at a morning skate and you go, hey, what'd you do last night? Oh, man, I got a tale to tell you, right? And, and you know, you enjoy, you have a coffee, you run into people. Uh, be, I think much like every other area of our lives, Scotty, COVID has allowed us, we're still functioning, we're still putting on a Stanley Cup final, but it's stripped away a lot of the the ancillary elements that are the fun parts. So we're doing it here and they're putting on, they've given credit. They put this show on, they're going to get the finish line and we're covering it. But it's, you know, when we look back, we won't look back at all the fun we had uh, during this cup. Is that fair? I think that's absolutely fair. And I wonder if it, if you think it extends to the players because, you know, they're not, I, I remember having a conversation with John Klingberg this is the year I spent in Dallas, and we were talking about him going to the All-Star game, and he said, you know, he said, I'm really excited to be here in the buzz and the media. He said, but you know what? When I listen to Tyler Sagan tell stories about being to his Stanley Cup final, and he'd been to two in Boston, obviously, winning a cup, and in, I think it was his rookie year, but winning a cup in 11, he, John Klingberg's eyes sort of lit up. He's like, that's what I, like, I want that experience. I want to, and so here he is in his first Stanley Cup final, and it, and it is it's business, right? It's not. In fact, yeah. John and I spoke, 
here I am dropping a name. Yeah, when John Klingberg and I chatted, but you know, when he, he, well, I thought it was interesting though. At the end of our conversation, he asked me. He said, "Like, what's it like out? Basically, what's it like outside? Like, are people? What's the buzz? Do people care?" Um, so to your point, this is all business. They're not getting to soak up that Stanley Cup final experience. And I wonder if you, when you think ahead to game four tonight, you know, at some point, like if you get pushed to the edge, you know, if you're pushed to the edge in a playoff series and especially a final and you're at home and you, or even you're on the road and you're like, I'm not, they're not going to celebrate at home tonight, not on my watch. And so they win a game and you move on. I wonder if you feel the dynamic is different. And, you know, Dallas now, they can't lose tonight, right? You go down 3-1 against this Tampa team, it, you know, tomorrow night it could well be over. And I wonder if you think that's sort of how that dynamic is different. Well, I feel I felt early in the round, Scotty, that, for instance, there was a little run of elimination games where the everybody was getting eliminated. And, you know, we'll never know. It might have just been happenstance. But it, the, the narrative was... Once guys get down 3-1, they just want to get out of this bubble and go home. Um, it's such a strange playoff year. We did see teams, you know, the word on the St. Louis Blues long before Phase 3 was they didn't want to play. The, the majority of their team were not that interested in the bubble, in the whole routine. Well, they never played very well. They never found their game. They stumbled through the, you know, their round robin and, and they would lose to they lose to Vancouver Vancouver uh, they never found Six their games. game yeah yeah Washington Washington never found their game you know they're not a very recent Stanley Cup winner that you could probably you know you could sort of guess said oh man we did this two years ago we went the four rounds now you're telling us we got to live in this bubble we're not that interested they didn't have a hunger let's say because they had a Stanley Cup ring fairly recently uh other teams like let's say the Edmonton Oilers who were you know, came into the pause as a very good team. Never found it. Just never found their game. They were out in the qualifying round. So there's a lot of different reasons. Like there was some other teams like Vancouver and Dallas got better during the pause somehow. Yeah. They got better. So, you know, we'll never know until people start to really tell the tales next year how many guys came here with a I hope I'm not here for long attitude. Uh, I'm going to say this to you, though. Now that you're that clo- this close to a Stanley Cup ring, the last thing you want to have to say is, I endure- it's going to be nine weeks in the bubble on Sunday. Uh, you don't want to say, I endured you know, nine plus weeks in the bubble and I didn't win. So there's probably a backhanded motivation here for both Dallas and Tampa. A, you want to win a Stanley Cup, but B, it's so hard to lose a Stanley Cup but losing this Stanley Cup would really suck. Yeah, I think you're right. And so, and I think you're right. And I got to tell you, I and I'm selfish. I, I, you know, yeah. I hope I want to see more, right? Like I don't have to. I don't have to put a coat on and go in that room. All I have to do is walk from my front porch to my couch. So it's easy for me to say. But I, I want to see more. I, I like. I, I think. I think this final has been really compelling. There's some great storylines, and and I don't know what it's been like to watch live, but it is punishing hockey. Is it? it does it? Is it like that live? Because it feels like that. Watching it is. What's it like to watch these two teams through these three games? Yeah, they have successfully recreated Stanley Cup hockey in this bubble, and we can. 
you know, nitpick everything else, anything else that you would like. And as journalists, we're professional complainers. Uh, you know, none of us Truth, like yes. these Zoom interviews. They are awful. You know, none of, again, no one's in love with going to the rink and freezing your rear end off for four. All of those things you want to complain about, get in line. But when we begin to talk about the level of hockey being played down there, it's the Stanley Cup final. It's been playoff hockey all the way through. Okay, so the first round, the, the round-robin qualifying round had some sort of loose, shabby hockey, I would say to you, uh, in some fronts. But by now, and like even the last couple of rounds, it's really good hockey. And, you know, you asked Blake Como who took that hit from Ryan McDonough if it's real hockey down there. I mean, oh my God, I, I didn't, I don't know how he got up from that hit. And if I saw him practicing yesterday on video. It looks like he might even play tonight. Um, so no, no, it, it's real hockey. We're there. We're watching Stanley Cup final hockey. Uh, the intensity is clearly there. One of the really cool things, Scotty, that, that has come from this is you get to hear the benches that in a normal Stanley Cup game, you just, from the press box, well, you're from anywhere because the crowd saw it, you cannot hear. So we get to, we get a little window into what ignites a National Hockey League bench in, in a playoff game, you know, and I can say to you that, I mean, first of all, they all, the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are the yappiest hockey team probably since the 2011 Vancouver Canucks. Uh, yap, 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 yap. They never took a penalty ever that they thought was justified. <laughs> so I really didn't know that about them. I thought Ryan Reeves was a talker because everyone talked, the whole team. It's unbelievably, unbelievable how their jaws flapped from minute one <laughs> to minute 60. Um, the other thing is that, you know, now we get to know it. And I think fans who, to me, it's interesting if I can babble on a bit. To me, that's interesting is, you know, there's all of us out there in the media and there's us old veteran eye test guys and there's the young sharp analytics kids and everyone in between. But we also, we always differ on what's important in hockey and what stat matters and you can't use plus minus because it's dumb. And when you watch a game and you get to hear the benches, what you learn is what's really important to an NHL player. And I can say to you clearly that a a block shot at a key time is what gives a bench the biggest rise of anything else in a hockey game at this time of year. When when a guy sells out and blocks a shot, that bench, you can hear them, man. They just, every guy is, is gets a little, what do they call it? A little bit of juice, right? They all get a little <laughs> bit of juice and a good hit, sure. You hear them warning each other when a hit's coming, look out. Uh, things like that have been cool. It really lets us, it's actually led us inside the game, Scotty, more than you ever would when you go to a game in Chicago and there's 19,000 people in there. Uh, that's good. All right, Speck, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to bring you back for a final thought and then let you get on your day, but we're going to take a brief break. So don't go away. We will be right back. Every sports story that matters, that's the athletic way. And now you can join for just $1 or one pound a month. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. We know this is a fact. The NHL playoffs almost completed in the Edmonton bubble. Stanley Cup final, Dallas, Tampa, a draft, October 6th and 7th, free agency a couple of days after that. You don't want to miss any of it. 
So subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month, and we hope to see you there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, uh, two things I want to ask you about. So I, I'm curious, what, what are you looking forward to most about Game 4 tonight and, and knowing uh, that it's against the backdrop of uh, the rare back-to-back situation in the Stanley Cup Final because of the bubble dynamic? So Game 4, Friday night, Game 5, Saturday night. What are you looking forward to most about tonight or maybe over the next 24 hours? Well, as, as you know, uh, every Stanley Cup, you know, every round... For the team that wins it, every round's a new chapter in the book, right? Every round's different. You know, the Tampa round against the New York Islanders isn't like this round. Uh, Certainly, when when Dallas beat Colorado in seven games, it was 5-4 every night. There was no goaltending at the Colorado end, and, and, and the Colorado offense forced five pucks into Dallas's net or four every night. Completely different series. So this series has become a real tug of war, Scotty, between... Dallas wanting to play the game their way, you know, where Tampa stays on the outside and they might get a few shots, but they don't get real great chances. And Tampa style, which is, we're going to come at you hard, you're going to take penalties, we're going to kill you in the power play, it's going to be more offense, and we're going to get a whole bunch of scoring chances. And frankly, two games have been played Tampa's way and they won them, and the first game was played Dallas's way and they won it. So I'm interested to see, at some point, Scotty, you've watched this, at some point in every series, one team can't pull the rope anymore, right? One team can't impose their style anymore. So my interest is, are we there with Dallas, right? Is, is Dallas able to slow down this train? I mean, Tampa's, this is their fourth, uh, they've been in four Eastern finals under John Cooper. This is their second Stanley Cup. No team in recent history that has not won a cup has been more ready to win a cup. I guess I could, you could say Washington two years ago. They are so ready to win. So I'll be interested to see if, if you know, a little goalie named Anton Hudobin, who I describe as, uh, you know, from Kazakhstan to Kazakhstanli, uh, <laughs> can slow this train down anymore. He's been great, but he needs some help from his team because if it remains a game like we played in game three, uh, even the great Anton Hudobin can't stop this thing. All right. And we, we started it off. I, I threw the red herring in with Patrick Hornquist, and, and I want to circle back on not just that trade, Mike Matheson going to Pittsburgh. Interesting, you know, healthy scratch in the play-in round for, you know, a Florida team where new GM Bill Zito is trying to impose his will pretty quickly, um, maybe change the culture there. And Patrick Hornquist is a culture guy. Now, mm-hmm. for me, I know you love him, but – 
looks like a guy who maybe has played too many hard miles to be, uh, you know, of, of ongoing value given his cap hit. Um, so I know you, you you have questions about that trade. I wonder if you think, you know, as we go into this offseason, are we going to see our, our GMs going to be forced into these kinds of hockey deals in order to make room for kids coming up because of cap? issues or maybe to get into the free agent market starting October 9th. Are we going to see more of this kind of stuff, do you think, than we have in the past because of the dynamics? Yeah, I think I think we'll see trades that make us scratch our heads. And and to me, the number one reason is this. It's going to be the self-imposed cap, Scott. I think the self-imposed cap, we don't know who. I think there's going to be teams that have a self-imposed cap that we'd never expect it, right? I think there are, I know, there are owners whose primary businesses, and, and let's face it, I don't know, out of 31 owners, I don't think any of them, their primary businesses are National Hockey League team because they had to get rich first before they could buy the thing. Uh, I th- think there's a whole bunch of owners out there whose primary businesses are majorly struggling. Maybe they're in the hotel business. Maybe they're in the casino business. So all of a sudden, that, that quote-unquote toy that was the National Hockey League team well, we can't lose money on it because we're already losing money on our main stuff. And now now extrapolate that. There isn't a National Hockey League. Well, I shouldn't say there isn't any. Is there any National Hockey League teams with no fans in the stands with, with the coming season that we expect that's going to turn a profit, Scotty? I'm not sure. Right? Will the Toronto Maple Leafs make money next year? You know, I don't know. Uh, I would think so, but I'll tell you what, there's going to be 20 of them at least that are certainly not making money. So here's my point. There's teams that we're used to being cap teams where they're, you know, instead of 81.5 or 82 million, their owner's going to say, sorry, GM, you get 72 million. And we're going to see some trades, I think, where we go, man, that's an odd trade. Why would they make that trade? And it's going to be because GMs have, uh, they're not working under Gary Bettman's cap. They're working under their owner's cap. Uh, because any business owner out there knows, you know, these are tough times. And these tough times do not uh, segregate or, or, or spare the NHL owner. That guy's losing money too out there. Yeah, no question. And for the money, I think... I think Pittsburgh is the perfect place for Mike Matheson because I think Mike Sullivan and his history of rejuvenating wayward mm. defenders. And I go back to a guy, Justin Schultz, you know, well, uh, yep. you know, wasn't working out in Edmonton to say the least. And man, re uh, rediscovered his mojo in Pittsburgh. Uh, maybe Trevor Daly in the same boat to uh, Eric Goodbrinson in his short time there. I think Mike Matheson's going to do okay in Pittsburgh. Well, That's just, me. well, I think the other side of that coin is Joel Quenville. Right, the yeah. league is littered with defensemen that Joel Quenville didn't like and wouldn't play, and you just named one of them in Daly, Trevor Daly, right? Yeah. You know, he had Trevor Daly yeah. in Chicago and and didn't play him, didn't like him, wouldn't play him. They got rid of him for for you know pennies on the dollar, and he resumed a pretty good career. So that to me, the Mike Matheson, until I see him in playing for another coach who basically thinks he can't play. I'm uh, my opinion on Mike Matheson will be reserved. Good for you. All right. Now, Mark, 
I hope you have a great day. Listen, you got a lot of reporters to take care of over the next 24, 48 hours, maybe beyond if Dallas extends it. So I want you to make sure that, that all of our friends and colleagues are well-behaved, make sure that they uh, meet whatever curfew you, you establish for them. Um, you should always be reading Mark's excellent coverage of the NHL for sportsnet.ca and follow my good friend on Twitter at sportsnet. Spec, S-P-E-C. You are a champion, my friend. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Well, with back-to-backs this weekend, a rarity in the Stanley Cup final, uh, plenty of hydration will be required out here in Edmonton. So uh, I'll make sure that uh, nobody goes dry among our group. (laughs) And thanks for having me, Scotty. We sure miss you out here. It's not quite the same uh, without a Burnside or a LeBron uh, live and in person at the Stanley Cup final. Something's just a little bit lacking there. Uh, well, so down the road, my friend, we'll make up for it. All right. All right. Thanks, pal. Hey, no problem, man. It's a pleasure. Anytime. That was so much fun. And, and you know what? And next time, we'll have Spec back on because at some point, we will also discuss uh, um, uh, some of the, our other shenanigans. Maybe, you know, if he feels like it. But uh, he is, there's no better person to be on the road with than Mark Speck. It was great to hear his uh, thoughts on what could be the final weekend of the NHL's return to play playoffs. What uh, it's a bit of a sobering thought. Um, thinking about things to do before game four tonight, you could always listen to Mike Russo's terrific podcast, Straight from the Source at The Athletic. He will be joined by Bill Guerin, Minnesota Wild GM. Uh, Pierre Lebrun and I, of course, earlier this week, spoke with Michael Hirschfeld, the head of the NHL Coaches Association on the full-on two-man advantage. You should go back and listen to that. And you should always check out our comment section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two-Man Advantage on Apple. If you aren't a subscriber to The Athletic, subscribe now and save. Go to theathletic.com slash two-man advantage and you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. It is almost nothing, so you should go and do that. And we will be back on Monday. Will we be getting ready for Game 6 or will we be talking about a new Stanley Cup champion in Tampa? Come back Monday and you'll find out.